Tired of conflict, drama, fighting, and people problems? Are you ready to learn the simple skills to improve all your relationships and make them thrive? Well, it's easier than you think. Relationship Radio brings you practical advice to be your best and improve your life. We break down the complicated problems and make them simple and easy. And when you know better, you can do better. Here are Master Life Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. Welcome to Relationship Radio on Voice America, where we make healthy relationships simple and easy. Because once you know better, you can do better. I'm Nicole Cunningham. And I'm Kim Giles. Now, we've got a fun show today. Uh, this is actually came from one of the emails that we received um, a few weeks ago from one of our listeners. How to stop the fighting in our family. Every family has it, don't they? I mean, there's always conflict, there's always confrontation, but some of us are better at it than others. So it's not just families, though, Nicole, like anywhere you find people, you find some people problems, clashes and fights. We just, it is one of the main challenges, I think, of of life in general is getting along with the people around you. Yeah. So a lot of people think that fighting is a healthy thing. People think that fighting is an unhealthy thing. We kind of want to throw it out there and say that functional relationships have difficult conversations, but conflict isn't always necessary. It's And this is where the 12-shape relationship systems really come into its own in that it teaches people why we're all different and to actually be in a position of appreciation of that diversity within your family unit so that you're not trying to make somebody else wrong. So the thing is, when when you've got a conversation with someone and the reason it goes from a conversation into a fight is because our fears get triggered, right? We get pulled into an unbalanced state. That's the reason we fight is we just suddenly feel threatened. We either feel insulted at some level or, or we're afraid we're going to look bad here or we're not being loved and accepted and it's a fear of failure issue or we, we feel mistreated or taken from. And we talk about this on every show. You've got two states you function in, balanced and unbalanced. So we want to deal with conflict in our relationships from a balanced state, not an unbalanced so this really comes down to, because I know a lot of people pro- probably have preconceived ideas about fighting. Maybe they were brought up in a family where there was a lot of conflict um, and maybe conflict was not seen as an appropriate thing or a healthy thing. Just as equally, though, putting your head in the sand and sweeping everything under the carpet is equally as unhealthy. So I want to just break that stigma for a moment and say, well, gosh, you know, we we don't fight about, you know, or we, we fight I'm thinking of a, of a client who came in, um, I think it was earlier this year, who said to me, oh, no, we, we don't have any conflict in our relationship. We don't fight at all, as if it's this achievement. But it's not necessarily an, an indication of the health or the, or the unhealthy connection between two people. It, it's just a behavioral dynamic. And if you know how to do it well and you know how to have those difficult conversations, then, then you can you know, always meet a, a compromise. And that's really what we're going to give people today on the show. So, you know, whenever we get a client that says they don't know how to handle a situation, we look at your options. Well, you could fight, you could have a conversation, or you could let it go. And either of those options could be right if you can do them in a balanced state. Either of those options could be wrong if you're in fear. So a lot of people who say we don't fight, it's because they stuff everything. They don't talk about it because they're afraid of those conflicts. 
So they don't communicate. Like you said, that is not a healthy relationship. No. So really what we're trying to talk about today is that ultimately we all have levels of sensitivity and hypersensitivity. And I think about sibling rivalry. You know, I've got two girls and and they're seven and ten. And it's that hypersensitivity, that one-upmanship of that sibling rivalry that means that it, it often ends in conflict and fighting if I'm not in the room. And what it comes down to is that both of them are very quick to take offense by what the other person's doing. Now, a lot of that's because of their age and immaturity. But we see that in adult relationships as well, that a lot of um, what our family members do and say to us, it's not actually in, intentional, but we have exaggerated disproportionate responses. We turn mountains into molehills. So we've been talking the last few days about people who have mistreatment glasses on. And and what I mean when I say that is there's some of us that are subconsciously really looking for offenses and so it's like we see the world through these glasses that make us see mistreatment even when it's not there and we get offended so fast and easy and I think there's other shapes that have fear of failure glasses on right they they feel like every situation means they're not good enough and Nicole, since I just mentioned the shapes, we had a listener the other day who said, you know, if you get new listeners and all of a sudden you're talking about triangles and rectangles, they don't know what you're talking about. Maybe let's pause for just a minute and explain a little bit about the 12 shapes and the relationship system. Okay. So Kim and I met in India two and a bit years ago in an elevator. And that's a really cool story for another day. <laughs> but uh, we actually realized we had two halves of this perfect hole with, that we've created into the 12-shape relationship system. So I'd done all of the research in Australasia working out that there are actually 12 different types of people in the world. And Kim had done work and built her program around the idea that we're, there are two core fears. And what we realized is that what was creating all that balanced and unbalanced behavior was actually being triggered by those two core fears. And then we could see how uniquely that played out for each of the different 12 shapes. So we compiled and worked for three months, you know, hashing and thrashing this out. And we went out and did more research and social proof to make sure we had it right. And we do. There's 12 different types of people in the world and all the information's at 12shapes.com. And this system really helps people to understand who it is that they're working with, what their currency is, what they value, what they fear. Because when we know better, we can do better. And Nicole, I just want to clarify, a lot of people think it's a personality profile system, and it's actually not based on your personality, which makes it really unique in the world. But it's actually based on your behavior and the subconscious fears and values that drive your behavior. So again, if you're new to the show, you're going to hear us talk a lot about all these different shaped people. You've got to go to 12shapes.com and take the survey. It's a very short and find out what shape you are, what shape your family is, because that's going to be the first step to changing the amount of conflict at home. We have families who come in every day that say, now that I know what I'm dealing with, that I've got a, a child that's a star and a child that's a rhombus and a child that's a triangle. It's a, it's a different ball game. You almost have a guidebook to dealing with those conflicts in your home. Now, yesterday was the 4th of July, and we were at, a, at a, um, an event together, and we had a really fun time working out the shapes of everybody around the table. But one of the questions that came up from the host was, do you find that some families have more of a predisposition to have some shapes than others? And we can't say that. We can't. We don't have the proof for that. But what we do know is that every family has this unique variety of and, and mix-up of, of more or less of the same. And so that really becomes the concrete 
concrete part of the dynamics. And we had this beautiful little girl there who was two. And we were just co- commenting, is she a circle or a star? And, and my star was there, who's 10. And she was she went and spent half an hour with her outside playing. And she came in and she, and she said to both of us, oh, she's totally a star. She's me all over. And it, it's funny because she had this instant connection with her, not just because she was adorable and two and she was playing games outside, but because we do connect with other people better than we do other people. And this is really what we want to talk about. In the family home, you'll know if you, you're one of six children, Kim, yeah. there were some that were easy relationships and some that that had more challenges, I'm sure. Yeah, there were some I fought with a lot more than others, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, so all the parents in the show were going, well, hang on, I've got four children. I love them all the same, but why can't they love each other? Okay, well, because they all feel threatened and things aren't fair. And, you know, before we get, we're going to get into today a whole bunch of tips and and ideas about lessening the fighting in your family. Um, The first thing I really want to hit, though, Nicole, is this idea of seeing your family with your unique dynamics, with the interesting shapes that have ended up in your household. It is, in my opinion, and I know you agree with me, your perfect classroom and the place where you're going to learn and grow the very most. And I think it's interesting. I feel like the universe has put certain shapes in my home because they will facilitate the best lessons for me and I'll be able to facilitate the right lessons that they need. And just this idea that you didn't choose this family, the universe plopped them in your life, right? But that they're here for a purpose. And when we understand that we're here to help each other grow, we handle conflict much different than if we just see it as conflict. Does that make sense? Yeah, and we can start this dialogue in our home really early. Um, I think I was given the perfect opportunity because we were doing this show this week. We had a lot of meltdowns in our home on Sunday and we had the opportunity to all sit there together and instead of you do this and this offends me and I wish you didn't do this, I was able to move and shift the conversation to why do you think that when I do that it triggers you so much and why do you think there's a perfect lesson in that? And when she does that to you and you just want to thrash out and get so upset and hit her why would this be a perfect learning opportunity for you and so every single person who listens to the show can do that it's just about adjusting that perspective so instead of saying well I would like you to change in the future which hopefully is part of that you know compromise it's also bringing this principle into that conversation to say well why do you think I am your mum right because you've, you've obviously chosen a mum that likes order and doesn't like a lot of mess. So why do you think that that could be an interesting journey for you? Oh, so true. So I had a client recently who's got a mother that's really difficult. And my question for her is, what are some of the things having that mother raise you has has brought out in you? Good qualities, things that you've learned from it. And even bigger, what are the faults or fears that she triggers that that's like she pushes your buttons and the exact bad behavior comes out that you most need to see so that you can work on it. And isn't it wonderful that you've got these beautiful people around you who push your buttons just right so that they bring that stuff out so that you can see it. Now, I love this because it segues us into the next part of this, which is we have to access forgiveness and we have to love them anyway. And that's with every person on the planet because we're not exempt for unhealthy, unbalanced, bad behavior. But in that moment, Kim, when we we feel so much better making the other person 
that the one who did it to me because we're in so much projection and shame and blame and I like them being the villain because I'm perfect. Just see my halo, you know. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where in that moment I have to remember this is actually a lesson for me. So I do have to find the strength to access that that part of me that can forgive and truly let go. So I have another theory. This is the universe according to Kim, uh, granted. But I believe that forgiveness is the number one lesson that we're here to learn. And it's not just forgiving other people. It's also forgiving ourselves. And nowhere is that lesson facilitated better than in your home. (laughs) Because have you noticed we treat the people in our home worse than we do any other people? We also hold them to higher standards. And I see that with my daughters. So my my 10-year-old will never tolerate anything from my 7-year-old. But if her friend does that, who's of the same age, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. She was just having a bad day. So that's – and I think that happens in adult relationships too. So really we've got to get to a place of emotional maturity and we've done shows on that before. So it's in the archives if you want to go and find that good information there. But it is, comes down to you being willing to do the work. Now, we're 50% of every single relationship we're in. But it's so much easier to say that they're the dark 50% and I'm the light 50%. And this is why the merry-go-round goes round, which is why we have conflict, confrontation, why we have sibling rivalry, because none of us are actually consciously willing to do that work. So I actually have a story about that. So I remember years ago, I was giving someone a, a ride and they were virtually a stranger. I can't remember the situation, but I remember that I, I made a mistake driving And they kind of made a joke comment about my driving. And I laughed it off. It didn't bother me at all. But literally the very next day, I was turning right around a corner and I hit the curb. I cut too close and bumped the curb. And my husband said something about my driving. Oh, let me tell you, I was offended big time. I was so upset that he criticized my driving. And and in the course of the day, I was able to step back and look at it and go, weird, how come? Some stranger can insult you even worse than what your husband said and you don't get offended and then the slightest thing. So you're right. We hold them to a higher standard. We give them the power to hurt us or bug us more. So we're we're really looking for that stuff. Bottom line is we've actually got to lot, let go and choose love because the people we love the most are also within our home. So we have to remember that. We've got to say, well, how much is this costing me? How much is it costing them? How much is it costing the family dynamics? The big thing that costs us is fun. You know, we have spectacular autistic meltdowns in our life, right? Because at your house. At our house. And I, I get caught up in them, even though I know what they are and I understand them and I show compassion. I get triggered in fear of loss because it, it costs me fun that day because I didn't want it to go this way and I just wanted to have a fun family day. So we've got to actually reduce our ability um, to react. We've actually got to choose love in that moment. We've got to access this forgiveness quicker. And we've got to get better at actually transitioning between offense and forgiveness. Okay, so a couple things that are going to make forgiving your family easier, though. We talk a lot on the show about changing your belief to that you believe all human beings have the same value and no one's better or worse than anyone else. But we we struggle to make it happen when we're looking for faults. So when we see an offense from someone, we really do see them as not good enough in that moment. We we put that on them and and we're literally giving power to the idea that we can all be not good enough. And if you continue to do that, you're going to not feel good enough too. 
And, and the way this relates to forgiveness is honestly, if you want to be able to forgive yourself and feel good about yourself, you've got to start forgiving those quirks and those bad behavior moments in the people in your home. Um, I wanted you to share about the five quirks thing, because I think that's really relative to forgiveness. So this has been something that was worked really well in, in my home, but also with a lot of our clients, where in every single relationship, you give the other person five things that you don't have to, you, you don't get permission to comment on. You can't criticize, you can't make comments, you can't acknowledge. They're just five quirks. So it might be, you know, I allow them to leave the toilet seat up or spit on the tap, or I allow them to never tie their shoelaces, or I never, you know, one of them in our house is that she's always going to slam the door because she's a sensory processor. And so we've all got to make the decision to just not get offended when she slams the door. You get five quirks each. And so whenever I want to say, oh, that slamming of the door, I've got to remember, hey, there's five things that they're tolerating from me as well. Oh, I love the idea of really being able to go through and pick my five things that I know irritate people. And just from the get-go, say, if you're going to be with me, you have to let these five things go. And well, you can't that's be bothered. That's actually what I did in, in my most recent relationship. I said, just so you know, right, these are the five things that are not going to so change. So what were your five? Oh, I don't need to do it on today's show. <laughs> There's probably too many, actually. But I, I did. I, I sat through and I said, these are the five things that are not going to change. So just so you know, and, and they've come up in other relationships before. And so I know. I know that they're there and I'm working on them. But you know what? I'm in my, I'm 35 this year and they, they haven't gone away yet. So just so you know. But I think this is so healthy. Every couple should sit down and, and you make your list of the five that you want to have your your partner forgive. Yeah. And they do yours and then swap lists and say, okay, let's just from the get-go say these five things are off the table. If, if you're going to be with me, you can't ever get mad at me about these five. That would it's that is a, It's a forgiveness exercise, though. It's, it is. Forgive me for being unbalanced at times and stupid and clueless and have a bad day. And- but also be being different. I'm allowed to be different and right. I'm sorry. So one of the, the couples recently this worked so well with is I, I had a dynamic of a diamond and a star. Now the diamond husband wanted to be at church on time every single week and the stars as you know stars are always they're always late and so this had gone on for 12 years in their marriage and he was ropeable and it was like you know what it's not changing you continue to get upset about it every single Sunday and it creates a meltdown so yeah we can do this for each other let it go dude let (laughs) it go (laughs) but all of us have to do it hey we've got to take a break but stay with us here on relationship radio you're with Nicole and Kim afterwards after the break we're going to get into why do people fight to begin with what's going on there stay with us you with Nicole and Kim. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you a fan of relationship radio? Are you ready to take your relationships to the next level? Perhaps you are still struggling with relationships in your life or struggling with your self-confidence or some negative thinking. We can assist you. Our Shape Up Coaching Program is available to our listeners all over the world. We offer private one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and family group sessions where we teach you about your shapes and how to really strengthen, build, and nurture each of your relationships. Discover how to resolve conflict, how to overcome fear of confrontation, and really work on your self-esteem like never before. For information about your coaching options, or if you're interested in becoming a certified coach to work with Kim and Nicole, send us an email, info at 12shapes.com. 
Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at 12shapes.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back here with Nicole and Kim. Today we're talking about stopping the fighting in your family. What a good topic. Every one of us has these little niggles that we have in our relationships. And before the break, we were talking about just gift the people in your life. Five things that you're not allowed to comment about. Five quirks. We're all allowed to have five quirks. What other things can we do to reduce this conflict, Kim? Okay, so a big one I wanted to hit from last segment And I want everybody taking notes in your relationship radio journal to really get this. Your family members are supposed to cause problems in your life. So I had a great They're supposed to. I mean, literally supposed to because that's the classroom. That's how you grow. Right? And you wouldn't be able to grow if these people didn't drive you crazy half the time. They are facilitating your lessons. So I had a great uncle who used to say family are like fish. They're good for a few days and they start to smell. And I always think of that because, you know, holidays and people come over and your space gets invaded and, you know, things change and your norm and your status quo gets put out of balance. And that's what you really what you're saying here is that we're meant to be disrupted. It's healthy for us to get out of what is familiar, have to make accommodation for other people, have to access forgiveness. It's it's healthy. So I had a diamond client recently who said to me, I think maybe I would just do better in life living alone and not having not being in a relationship or having children. And I said, yeah, I, I, I can see that. That would be very peaceful, but I don't think there would be any growth in it. Yeah, you're, you can't have any relationship issues if you're alone, but this is not what we're meant for. And, and there's a couple questions I just want everybody to ask yourself. If you've got some conflict in your home, what are these family problems showing you about yourself? That one's huge. Because guess what? It's more about you than them. Yeah, right? <laughs> what are these people teaching me by driving me literally crazy? What what am I getting to practice? Am I getting to learn patience? Am I getting, you know, to learn forgiveness, tolerance? Um, how are how is this conflict giving me an opportunity to be a better me, or to be more forgiving? I think I mean seriously, if we would really ask ourselves, we will see these conflicts in a totally different way. Yeah, but we don't stop and we don't think a lot of the time. We just react. And I think that's a lot of the big problem is that we don't realize we're in a conflict until we're in it. Because it was just a conversation and then offense happened and before you know it, it's gone from zero to a hundred and we're full blown fighting right now. I think that's that's all families who have children. <laughs> That's for sure. Definitely. Okay, so we're, we're going to get into why people fight. Why do people fight, Nicole? Now, 
I, I want to say that these, you know, these five things are what we see a lot of the time. And that is, number one, that people are just generally unhappy about their life. And so they enjoy spreading their misery with others. And this goes for children as well. You wake up a teenager, they're not just ha- unhappy because they've been woken up. They're going to punish you all day and every person who's in their way, right? They don't want to get up. They're unhappy about it. And and toxic people kind of create toxic environments. Have you noticed that? And I think this is the big thing is that whenever we are generally unhappy, not saying that we all have to be toxic to do that, even just in general, someone walks into the office and they they are late for a meeting, you all feel it. The energy changes. It does. So, Nicole, we get a lot of couples in our office that are struggling in their relationship. And often the real underlying issue is one of them is deeply unhappy with themselves. They've got a lot of fear that they're not good enough. They're flailing in life generally on their own. And one of the things that they often do is they make their spouse responsible for that. They do that a lot. I think it's the, one of the biggest parts of our job, actually, is the, the, to be whistleblowers in these, these couple relationships that we work with so much to say, yeah, actually, no, that's your stuff. That's not his or vice versa. Right. So one of the things I, I say to my clients, and it's kind of morbid, but I, I want you to imagine that your, your spouse was killed in an accident and he's gone. What would you be doing with your life to work on your own happiness? To, to really own your life journey and be responsible for your happiness. And they can usually always come up with a big list of things they would do, but they're not doing those now. And and really, us being responsible for our own happiness is the first step to stopping the fighting. A big part of this is also self-care. I know so many conflicts happen in homes with parents who are very tired. They don't have the emotional capacity to do the reasoning and to do the listening and things like that. So a big part of this self-care is to actually say, you know what, we need to put this on pause. I'm not in a position where I can manage this, even mediate this right now. We all need to do some self-care and come back. Now, I've had mothers of small children tell me – I, I can't leave my children and go do and go do self-care. I'm go get a massage or go to the gym. That would be not a responsible mother. I can't leave my children. And I've heard myself say this a million times. Trust me, it's in your children's best interest that you go to the gym. And your marriage. And your marriage <laughs> and do some self-care because you will come back a different person with so much more to give them. And right now, yeah, you're there all the time and they wish you would go, yeah. right? Because we need that to fill our bucket up so we have something to give them. We've got to be able to turn over that new leaf of perspective when it comes to doing the same thing but having a different way. The second thing is that I've noticed um, is that a lot of us are adrenaline junkies. We may even like fighting or maybe we're just so familiar with the adrenaline that conflict brings because we had a family upbringing or one person in our life who was very, very good at it. And so we learned, even though perhaps we didn't want to, that that actually this is the only way to get resolution or I have to fight for, you know, this, in, in our home, we have this whole thing of, well, if you eat enough and, you know, you're taking too long to eat because, you know what, I was brought up one of six boys and if you didn't get in there and eat quickly, you didn't get any. Well, that's a behavioral pattern, right, that's now becoming part of our now. So it's worth looking at, have you got a bit of an adrenaline junkie type thing with fighting and conflict or was it the only thing, was it normal? You know, the only thing that you knew how to do to get your voice heard in your family. So Nicole, aren't there certain shapes that kind of like arguing? Yeah. That actually, they, it gives them something. They like to argue. And then there's other shapes that will avoid conflict at all costs. What? Tell us the difference. Yeah. So let's look at why first. It's not just about power. 
Okay, it's not because some want to be more powerful than others. It's because some people feel a lot more comfortable and they're faster at actually communicating their ideas, right? So rhombuses and octagons and circles and crosses and squares and rectangles, they're really, really good at conflict because they're really fast and animated and they get their ideas over really, really quickly. So even if they're not trying to make it a fight, they're passionate and articulate and so very quickly can feel like that. But, but some of them really like to be right and have the last word, too, which yeah, kind of so, leads to some of that. So, again, crosses and rectangles and squares <laughs> are there. Octagons are there. Rhombuses are there. The same shapes for the same reasons. So maybe that's something to look at. Are you complaining and saying, look, there's so much conflict and fighting in my family? Well, are you the instigator because you're really comfortable with it? You're good at that skill. Wow. Okay. So that's huge. So. People fight because they're generally unhappy about life or they're addicted to fighting and they like to debate. The third one is they feel threatened. They feel, and it's kind of the mistreatment goggles again, right? And and I want everybody to look at, do you have mistreatment goggles or do you have failure goggles on? Because if you have failure goggles on, you're seeing like you're, you're not appreciated, you're not loved, you're not wanted. It, it's a rejection thing all the time. If you've got mistreatment goggles on, you are really quick to see offense and to get defensive. So it's a fear problem. I think people are sometimes surprised to really look at their anger and recognize that they're it's coming from fear. They're actually scared. That's been the, one of the biggest things, actually, that the inner circle community has been talking about um, recently is that. I didn't realize that all of these things in my life were actually just fear because I didn't understand my unbalanced state enough to realize that it was a trigger that was fear-based that actually got me there. So I love that. I love how if we just step into taking more control of our fear, we actually function better on every level of our relationships. Now, I do. I get comments on some of the stuff that we write, some of the content we put out that says, I don't know about this. They think every problem is a fear problem. And I always laugh. Okay, it's only because you haven't looked at it long enough. When you've looked at it for 16 years, let me tell you, it is. If we look behind any bad behavior, anybody that is is bothering you or picking fights or whatever it is, you look behind it, you will either see a deep fear that they're not good enough that's made of defensive or a deep fear of loss of being taken from or mistreated. And we all, we've all got both every day. So we all have the potential of that bad behavior. Now, the number four reason why people fight is that they have deeply rooted self-esteem issues. And this is what we were just talking about in that some of us are perceived as being, you know, we have this self-esteem dilemma that we feel better by putting someone else down in every single moment. We perceive that other people are better or worse than us, and which means that our own self-value is going up and down all the time. Yeah, I, I think we see this behind bad behavior more than any other fear, right? Is that deep fear that we're not good enough. Mm. I think really we say it all the time too. The greatest thing you could do to improve all your relationships is work on your own self-worth. So in the same way that we nourish and look after our brothers' bodies and we, you know, we eat healthy food and we drink and we, you know, water and we go to the gym, this has to be up there with one of our most essential requirements to function here on the planet, really, is to actually take responsibility for our self-esteem. Now, how do you do that? You learn about who it is that you are. You learn about the people who are around you and you learn you learn the dynamics. And that's really what the 12-shape relationship system has given us, um, is, is this framework to be able to function at a completely different level because knowledge is power. When you know better, you can do better instead of just being offended all the time. 
Wow. That's big. Okay, so our last one, this this is one that's a little out of my wheelhouse, um, but we've got some people that really like to fight and that maybe even have some mental illness issues that lead towards being a, a sociopath, being a narcissist. I mean, we've got some toxic folks out there. What would you say about those? Yeah, I think having worked in this space um, for a lot of my career in Australia, knowing the person that you're working with and knowing whether they fit into this category or, you know, if your spouse is one of these people really helps to prevent and retain your own self-esteem. Because if you have got a highly unbalanced person who does have one of these mental health issues, they are so good and they're so manipulative and they're so cunning in making you feel like you're the problem. And so I did a lot of work in Australia with reviving a lot of these marriages um, who was with one of these sociopathic spouses or a narcissist to realize, okay, you're doing the best that you can, but you're, it is okay for you to say you've had enough. Because those of us who stay in abusive relationships long enough often believe that we're then the problem. Yeah, we do see that a lot. So if you're out there and you've got a lot of conflict in your home because of this kind of situation, what would you recommend? It really comes down to professional help and getting somebody assessed. And once you know their assessment, then you can actually then assess your own situation within that assessment, right, to actually know what you're working with. Again, knowledge is power, but don't sit in an unhealthy relationship too long without actually asking some questions. Yeah, and, and I've seen a lot of situations where the, the toxic person won't get help, isn't willing to improve things. Mm-hmm. And if that's the situation you're in, you might have a hard decision you need to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how much time? We've got some, we've got some more time in yeah, this segment. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about how most of the time a lot of the unhealthy and unbalanced relationship behavior we see in our homes is actually just a cry, a deep-seated cry out for love and a validation. And I know that about myself, even between you and I as best friends and business partners and everything else we do together. <laughs> but I often have unhealthy, balanced behavior because I don't know how to ask for help. So I think this is something to look at, particularly when you're raising children of different ages and stages and everyone has their own agenda and we're all pursuing big stuff right now. You know, everyone wants to be successful and everyone has goals and everybody's busy and social media and life is fast. That a lot of the time, if we slow down, we can actually realize, hey, I'm not getting my needs met and we can ask in a really healthy way, but we're not taking that time. So it's our bad behavior that's actually a scream out for that attention we're needing. Oh, it is. Okay, so the the problem is that when we're you are in a triggered fear state, you really aren't capable of much loving behavior to really put yourself in the other person's shoes and figure out what they need. So the first thing you've always got to do is get control of yourself and get yourself back into trust and love and not fear. So that may be requesting a timeout. I I told a mother the other day that loses it with her kids. Every once in a while, you need to tell the kids that mommy deserves a timeout. Mommy's going to go in my room and I'm not going to come out until I can behave better. Go in your room and remind yourself that your value is not on the line, that you're not failing. You can't fail because no matter how bad you mother today, you still have the same value as everybody else on the planet. So we've just started writing lines in our house. 
right? Really? So I don't know if you remember um, from the Simpsons show where he used to write things on the chalkboard. So we have to do a double-sided and every single family member has to do this. And the reason I had to implement this was because my girls kept saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I would say, we don't do can't. We do I can. And so I would make them do lines about I can. Now, I found it to be the most effective way of doing adult timeout. Because I have started doing lines as well to actually participate in this. And they all stick on the fridge. And I'm sad to say that there's piles stacking up around the fridge as well of us actually doing the lines. And it's a wonderful accountability tool. Now, it's not really punishment as it is reflection. And we laugh about it because, oh, mom, you're going to have to give yourself lines about that. Because my big thing is I say that I'm sorry all the time. So now the one that I did yesterday was I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. And then I did hashtag sorry, not sorry at the bottom. My 10-year-old thought I was hilarious. But, you know, it's it's another really great tool. Whatever it is that you need to do to actually step back and reframe for a moment. Okay. So once you step back and you can get yourself out of fear where you're capable The next step is really putting yourself in the other person's shoes and figuring out what are they afraid of that's causing their bad behavior. What are they afraid of losing or not getting or being gypped or are they afraid of looking bad or being insulted? Really put yourself in their shoes and then ask yourself, what do they need in this moment? What are they asking for? What are they really asking for? Yeah. Because we say this a lot. All bad behavior is a request for love at some level. And when somebody's behaving badly, it's really hard to want to love them. Can I just say that? It is not the natural thing. And and as arrows, you and I like to run. If they're behaving badly, goodbye, I'm out of here. Um, but what they most of the time need is actually us to lean in and show up for them. So there's a really cool kids movie with the Booth character and Sheldon from Big Bang actually is it I don't remember the name of the but but what's cool about these little Booth creatures is they change color based on their emotions. So they're completely transparent to people around them. And I want to just introduce that analogy to say you know what we really are as transparent especially to our family members as that Booth character. It's just that we get offended. So when we step into this lens that you've been challenging us with, Kim, to say, what is this person really needing? What's going on for them? What emotion are they experiencing? You can see it if you look hard enough. Okay. And let me just, we're going to, this is another really usable tip. While your children are small, is the time to start teaching them to do this. So if they start fighting, to pull one aside at a time and say, let's look at your, what are you feeling? What are you afraid of? What, what do you, what has got you so upset? And, and have them reflect on their own emotion and where they are. And then see if they can step into the shoes of the other child. What do you think they were afraid of? What were they afraid of losing or happening? What do you think they need right now? And, and help them start learning how to see it from both perspectives. I don't know if there's any skill I want my kids to have more than that one. Yeah, because it brings compassion as well. And it normalizes this entire process of conflict. I think a lot of the problem we have is that we realize we're there too fast or we have so many ideas about what relationships should be that when we get to conflict, we panic. So so I was saying my daughter really quick the other day said, Mom, the problem with you and what you do is that you always understand both people's positions. And I always want you to take a side and you never will because 
But this is what we're after. We're after being able to see from both perspectives so we can show up for people. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if we can't show compassion and compromise, then the the conflict's going to stay there and, and things are just going to go round and round and get burnt out. So, all right, we're going to take another break. But after the break, we're going to talk about how to have these conversations and really start implementing these behaviors we've talked about here on today's show into your family home. So stay with us. You're with Nicole and Kim. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you a fan of relationship radio? Are you ready to take your relationships to the next level? Perhaps you are still struggling with relationships in your life or struggling with your self-confidence or some negative thinking. We can assist you. Our Shape Up Coaching Program is available to our listeners all over the world. We offer private one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and family group sessions where we teach you about your shapes and how to really strengthen, build, and nurture each of your relationships. Discover how to resolve conflict, how to overcome fear of confrontation, and really work on your self-esteem like never before. For information about your coaching options, or if you're interested in becoming a certified coach to work with Kim and Nicole, send us an email, info at 12shapes.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at 12shapes.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back. You're with Nicole and Kim. We're talking about conflict today and how to reduce the fighting in your family home. To finish the show off today, we're going to leave you with five ways that you can implement these strategies and actually reduce that conflict. What is it that we can do, Kim? Okay. First of all, I'm going to throw in the one we hit at the very end of the segment. Just make sure you have that one down to help each other step back Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Really ask yourself, what are they afraid of and what they need? So that little procedure exercise should be the top of this list. Yeah, I agree. The next one is to learn how to have mutually validating conversations. Now, we all know that we need to reach compromise, but a lot of us don't know how to do it. That's why there's conflict to begin with. So we need to start stepping into conversations where we're really truly showing up for people. We're hearing and validating them, but we're also communicating ourselves and our needs and our agendas in a healthy way. So we've got a great worksheet on our website about how to do mutually validating conversations. You might want to go to 12shapes.com, go to worksheets and get that. Um, But I, I do want everybody to understand, I think this is the skill they should be teaching from kindergarten to grad school every year to every person. Because if you know how to have a conversation where you can make the other person feel safe and valued and important... And you can ask for the same back so that you can actually resolve and work through things. There is no, no problem you can't solve. And this conflict really won't be necessary. But what is required in these mutually validating conversations is that you be very unselfish up front 
and that you're able to set aside your stuff and really listen and show up for the other person and literally honor and respect their viewpoint and their feelings and their ideas. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them. You can still disagree with everything they're saying, but you have to honor and respect their right to be where they are and see the world the way they see it because that it's all they can see. Where We are where we are. I agree with that. And I think that leads us into the second uh, tip that we have for everybody today, which is instituting a family timeout rule or just space. And the reason this is so important is that some of the shapes, some people in our family are better at conflict and better, better at processing emotion and getting up to speed with facts and understanding and reading the situation better than others. Now, you and I, Kim, we're slow processors. We're arrows. We're slow processors as opposed to a circle or an octagon who they're like prime negotiators. We see them at three and four years old negotiating with mum. And actually, there's a there's a family in a, in a circle um, community who have that weekly call with us as part of the, their um, ongoing professional development. And, and they say, look, I, before I know it, this little three-year-old has completely wrapped me around his finger because he's so good at talking. And he's a little circle. So this is true. Not all of us are in that moment when this all erupts, able to articulate ourselves in a way that makes sense, that is truly how we feel. You know, some of us don't like to do that. So we have to instigate and give all of the people in the family an opportunity to step back, get where they are with it, to actually come back and and move things forward. A lot of the times we see there's so much fighting is because nobody's allowing anyone to have any processing time. Okay, so all the couples that come in for couples coaching with us, they think they have communication issues. They don't know how to communicate. What we always point out is actually you have a fear problem. The reason you can't communicate is you keep triggering each other's fears and then you get more defensive and more protective and less loving And this is what happens and it gets worse and worse in the conversation. So I've been instituting this timeout rule with my couples for 16 years. And the way the rule has to work is if anybody calls a timeout, we've all agreed ahead of time that if timeout's called, we walk away. Right then, we don't say another word. We go to a place where you can be on your own and be responsible for your inner state. Get yourself out of fear. Get back into trust and love before we finish this conversation. But everybody in the family's got to agree to it up front that that's going to be the deal. So it's worth looking at who in your family is going to be needing this but can't ask for it for themselves. That's the other thing. So for older people, younger people, people who have lower or maybe in a fragile time, I always think of teenagers and college students who are going through exams and pressure and things like that. I always feel like there should be a pause button around that time that, you know what, they they get a lot of free passes around that time because they're, they're preoccupied with this other stuff. So what is going on in your family home? Who needs additional support right now um, and who needs to be given more grace? So the kids really like that too. The kids like if they see mom and dad fighting, they can call a timeout and send mom and dad to opposite parts of the house and it's it's just so I love any rule like that that's for everybody it's not just the kids behavior that's going to be monitored but it's also the adults that's actually why I started doing the lines oh yeah because you do them too I do them too and I found that they absolutely they think it's hysterical but it also shows that I'm allowed to have flaws and that I'm still working on stuff. So I think there's a lot of different principles that can come through and be positive as part of this the next one is 
really make a decision to be articulate and accurate with your words. Now, how many of you fumble your words and how many of you say things you don't want to mean, don't really mean, or you wish you would have said better when you're in conflict? I think every single person, <laughs> every one of us. And so we have to make decisions about if I'm going to communicate this, it has to be laser sharp, not with vindictive laser sharp, but it's got to be concise. I've got to maintain someone's attention. I've re- really got to follow through with what it is that I feel and articulate it properly. So I think one of the, the biggest issues in fights is when we overgeneralize and we say, you always do that to me. You do this to me all the time. Really, I think I've done it maybe three times in 15 years, right? I mean, we we exaggerate when we get emotional. In, in, yeah, yeah. In emotional. Everything becomes disproportionate, bigger than Ben-Hur. You know, it's like the, the, the splinter or the paper cup that now turns into this, you know, massive emergency. And that happens emotionally to us. So we have to be accurate with our words. We have to make sure we don't exaggerate because all of that immature exaggeration and, you know, they say in America we add 50s to it. That's the, the – did you know that? I learned that recently. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that if you exaggerate, you, you add 50s to it. I was told that the other day. Anyway, the point is, is that if you exaggerate, you lose respect because it's seen as immaturity and conflict. Well, and to be honest, any fighting where you get emotional, people lose respect for you. You're, you get out of control. And this is one I especially we all have to watch. If our children are watching us flip out and have an emotional temper tantrum, which adults, adults do too. Yeah. Yeah. They watch it. They see how immature that behavior is, and they really do lose respect for you. So if that is something that happens a lot, that you get emotionally out of control, you literally blow a gasket, that's something you've got to own some responsibility for, that you need to get some skills and tools to process emotions that that will help prevent that kind of immature behavior. Now, if you do blow that gasket, right, and you lose it, it's not all undone, though. You can have a, an element of communication afterwards that can really save your face. <laughs> I know you, there's going to be listeners. You mean if you apologize. Yeah, which is you sit down and you sincerely say, I'm really sorry. I got really out of balance there really, really quick. And I didn't mean to, but this one's really important to me and I feel really strongly about it. So that wasn't my best reaction. I'm sorry. So I have to do that every once in a while, don't you? Yeah. I, actually, I mean, even us, we've worked yeah. on this for years and we still get triggered sometimes. So I had an interesting parenting moment last week. Um, my daughters are swimming every single day and so they're in chlorine. And my daughter had has really, really long hair. And the next day we're going to hairdresser to get her new haircut that everyone heard about on the show last week. And I was brushing her hair and it was getting so painful and she was crying. And I said to her, I'm sorry, I, I need to, do, and we're putting the detangler in. She got so upset and she was in so much pain, she smacked me. And in that moment, I had a choice to make. And she smacked me from behind and it hit me and it was a really good big red mark and a bruise. Like it was real. And I thought, this is really interesting. And so I, I said, okay we need to take time out. And I took myself off to the bedroom and I put her, she, she went and she was crying and hysterical in the bathroom for about 15 minutes. And she said to me, I don't deserve my birthday. I don't deserve my haircut. I'm so sorry. And I should never have done that. And she was hysterical. And I had a moment where I, I thought, right, this could go either way. I could punish her. But what I chose to do was I said, you know what? It's okay. You flipped out. And you did a really good job of it because look, it's it's a bruise and it hurt. And my in- first instinct was to ground you for a month and take away your birthday. But you know what? 
I do it too. So we're okay. And I normalize that behavior for her. You're the best mom in the whole wide world. And I'm so lucky I want you, mommy. All right. She kept going on. We put her to bed. It was exhausting for both of us, but it was a really interesting moment where I gave her permission to make mistakes. And even when it was with me and, and violent, and I probably would have made a different decision if she'd hit her sister like that. But it was was definitely one of the ones I'm going to remember. So I'm glad I had an opportunity to tell it on the show. It was an, it was a big parenting moment last week. I can week. tell. That's really cool. It kind of leads us. It's sort of a forgiveness issue, right? And and you'd think because we see each other's bad behavior so much in the home that we would be more tolerant. Be more tolerant because we know our own bad behavior shows up too. So we've got to be able to forgive everybody else's if we want to be forgiven for ours. It is. and But it's a hard thing to do in that moment. And I think as parents, we have got so many levels in which we feel like we're failing. We fail in our relationships. We fail with money. We've got jobs. Life is so fast paced now that I think we live in a constant triggered state, which means we don't parent the way that we want to with intention. And I hope that that's what's come from today's show is that people will give themselves permission to be a work in progress. So another question that I often ask our clients, Nicole, is it, do you see certain times that you feel justified in treating people badly? And and to be honest, we all have moments where we feel like we've got the moral high ground or they did something that really deserves some some bad treatment. And I, it, it's been a little hard for me to step back and have to look at that. Are there times when I really think that it's okay to mistreat people? Because I don't actually think it is. Now, mistreatment's interesting. As you're saying that, I, I think about silent treatment. And that's a dynamic that's almost a passive-aggressive form of, of conflict that happens in a lot of homes, I know. And we feel justified in giving silent treatment because we think, well, I don't want to fight and fighting's worse. But in many ways, pa- being passive-aggressive is, is just as manipulative. And it comes from that place you've just talked about, which is I feel justified to feel the way I do and therefore I can be in my huff. It's not healthy though. And children see that and then they start doing the play in the playground. And I think it creates a lot of self-esteem issues for our children because we experience rejection. That's what it feels like as young children because we don't understand it. We have someone who's giving you the cold shoulder. It feels like rejection. It hurts. And then we try to compensate and get into this people-pleasing behavior of trying to seek that validation through performance. Oh, don't get me started yeah. about that wow. link and self-esteem. <laughs> but it's interesting that people come in and they say, well, no, I don't fight in my marriage. And then I'll say, well, what about passive aggressive? Which one of you is passive aggressive? Oh, well, yeah, that's her all the time. Well, it's actually a form of fighting. It's a form of conflict. I am so glad you brought that one up because I've lived with some of that in the past and it could be even worse. Like I would rather be communicating and, and then you're kind of working towards a solution than just getting the cold shoulder from someone I love. So I worked with a, a boy last year who said, I would prefer that my father would hit me than actually get the cold shoulder because it would be over and done with and we could actually move on. The cold shoulder is manipulative. It's so much more cunning and it lasts longer and it hurts me more. Okay, so the question we've always got to ask ourselves, is this issue bigger than my love for that person? Or is my love for the person bigger than this issue? Now, the trick is stopping ourselves in time to even ask the question without blowing a gasket too fast and in reaction. But most of the time, if we'll really look at it, our love for the person is bigger. And I also want to remind everybody out there, we talk so much about the bad behavior that we all show up in, but I don't think that bad behavior is really who you are. 
I really think your love is who you are. And this bad behavior is just when you get scared and it comes out, but it's not the real you. And the more that you will own that, that you are capable, you have it in you to handle situations with love and let your love come first is the first step to getting there to actually make it happen. I agree. So just a few closing thoughts before we have to go today. And that is that if you are in a lot of conflict in your home or it's something that you know that you really want to work on, never underestimate, even after the fact, the power of a sincere apology. And then asking the person, how could I make you feel safe with me again? What is it that I can do to show love and appreciation? What is it that I can do to actually make it up to you? And that's a really powerful thing because you not only learn about what, how this person loves to experience love. So, you know what? If with kids, a lot of the time it's, I just want half an hour in bed with you tonight before you put me to bed. Okay, no problem. You know, I want you to go and take me out on the scooter or I want you to come for a swim with me. You know, little things like that for a spouse. It might be, you know, what? I just want you to sit and listen to me without having an opinion. <laughs> You know, or I'd really love you to make me um, my favorite dinner, which is lasagna, because I love your lasagna. I'd, I'd love to, you could do that as a form of love. I think when we allow the people that we love the most to tell us how they want to receive love from us, we feel so empowered, particularly if we're experiencing shame because we've gone and blown a gasket. So that is a really powerful hint to actually ask them that question. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So one last thing I want to hit before we get to the end of the show. Um, have you ever seen a, uh, a painter who's painting a mural and it takes a long time because these murals are so big. And so they'll, they'll hang a sign on the mural that says it's a work in progress. And the reason they do that is they don't want anyone to judge it yet. Okay. What you're seeing right now, this is not the finished product. This is in the middle and it doesn't look that good when we're in the middle. And, and I was thinking about this one day that I need one of those. I really want to hang one of those work in progress signs around my neck and just wear it all day, every day, so that people don't judge me and think that I think I'm done yet, right? Because I know I'm not done. I am still in the classroom of life. I have a, so much more to learn. Let's just get that message to everybody that this is a work in progress. And I'd like everybody in my family to be able to wear one. So that as we goof up and we hurt each other and offend each other, we can both sit back and go, okay, I know you're in a work in progress. So am I. We're, we both got a lot to learn still. Oh, we'd give each other so much benefit of the doubt. That would be beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to take that back to my family. Thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. All right. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Relationship Radio today. We really hope that you got a lot of value out of today's show. And there's a whole heap of other episodes and shows that are available uh, for you to go back to heaps of resources. So do go through back um, the previous episodes, learn a lot, um, and check out 12shapes.com for all of our resources as well. And join us next week for more relationship skills and advice so you can know better and do better. Thank you for being a part of Relationship Radio. We hope you've not only received some great ideas to improve the relationships in your life, but we'll join Master Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles again next Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a wonderful week.